Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project, a podcast by Jay Harrington and Tom Nixon, exploring how lawyers can turn expertise into thought leadership and thought leadership into new business. Welcome back to another episode of the Thought Leadership Project podcast. Hi, Tom. Hey, Jay. How are you? Doing pretty well. Uh, just, uh, you know, homeschooling and working. So, <laughs> <laughs> Right. Yeah. So nothing else to keep yourself busy, huh? No, you know, it's just, uh, I, I'm not sure who these people are writing these. Uh, this is the time to be, you know, exploring your uh, new sort of del- uh, deluxe cooking skills or new uh, new hobbies and all of that. I'm, I'm finding less time these days than uh, I've ever had probably. How about you? Yeah. yeah, well, I saw somebody today tweet out encouraging their followers to start a business during this downtime. I'm <laughs> thinking, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, yeah, that's, uh, it sounds like a great idea. Yeah, yeah. like let's, let's invest in uh, you know, something, something new that none of us have time to do right now. So. Right, or, or can leave the house to, to accomplish. So. Right, right. I don't know, whatever. Maybe other people are having different experiences, but, um, but in any event. So um, back to the matter at hand. I know we wanted to kind of help our uh, listeners and, and clients stay focused on what's really important at the moment, which is really, I think, dialing in and getting really focused with their, their main job, uh, which is marketing and, and selling and, and providing legal services. So we wanted to do an episode today where we talk about something that's, I think, of um, broad interest and, and urgent concern for many people, which is uh, how to go about and, and frankly, whether you should even be going about business development uh, sort of during this time period where we're right in the midst of the COVID-19 crisis. And, and uh, so that's, that's kind of where I think we want to start as a jumping off point. And, and the question I think, Tom, we want to start with is one of, you know, I've heard different schools of thought on this, but should I be selling in the first place? I think many people are asking themselves that question because like I said, there are a couple schools of thought that I've seen. Um, there, there's you know, a notion that maybe just a, a kind of wait and see approach is the right way to go about things right now. Um, but I, I'm, I'm not at all uh, of that mindset and I, I don't believe you are either. Um, really now is not the time to be uh, kind of sitting back and, and waiting to see where things shake out. You need to take a more um, thoughtful, strategic, and, and resourceful approach to business development right now. But there, there's one sort of caveat to that, and, and it really gets down to um, what, what does it mean to sell right now, right? It's if, and if, if what, you, what you believe selling is, is trying to convince someone of something, talking them into buying your services, well then um, it's probably not an approach you should be taking right now. And frankly, should, should never be taking, right? I mean, I think our fundamental belief that is that selling is much more akin to helping than it is convincing. So I think, that, um, I think that's probably where we wanna start as a, as a jumping off point, don't you think, Tom? Yeah, because I think so much of it, I think a lot of, you know, apprehension to sales activity, I'll call it sales activity or business development activity, does come back to mindset. And I think if there's an aversion, it's exactly what you just said, which is it's an aversion to picking up the phone and calling somebody I don't know and trying to convince them to buy something that they don't already think they need. Well, yeah, I would have an aversion to that too, but that's not what we're going to advocate for. And, you know, while we might 
uh, advise against starting a new business like the hustle bro in my Twitter feed. Um, But it doesn't mean the the business that you have now can stop either. Right. And every attorney is, uh, well, most attorneys are in the, in the business of selling legal services. So that, that can't stop or the the world stops. No, uh, that's right. And, and I will draw a distinction, a further distinction here, because I think we have listeners that are in probably in one of two buckets right now, which is that certain of them are ones who are, their practice is sort of built for a crisis, right? You've got your corporate restructuring lawyers who are gearing up for a wave, uh, maybe the biggest wave that any of us have seen in our lifetimes of, of chapter 11 bankruptcy work. Um, you've got your labor and employment lawyers who are helping clients sort of sort out all of the um, issues related to their workforces right now when, when people are trying to um, cut costs and stay compliant with the law. Um, cybersecurity is a big concern. Um, certainly, probably litigators who specialize in helping clients to obtain insurance coverage um, when, when people are sorting out whether their insurance is is actually covering these losses that they're suffering um, are, are likely busy. Um, so for, for those folks, there's no doubt. I mean, it's full speed ahead. You, you're going on offense right now. Um, so things, things are going to look a, a bit differently. Um, and to an extent, it's full speed ahead for others too. But um, those in other buckets where, and, and this is probably the vast uh, majority of, of attorneys out there, their, their practice is not built for a time period like this. They don't, they don't thrive in a downturn. Um, they're, they're going to have to look at things a little bit differently too. Um, so that probably involves playing some defense as well as offense. So, I mean, I think to me, no one knows and everyone's speculating, but I guess I'll, I'll speculate too. But you probably, if you're in that, that second bucket, you're probably looking at, you know, some time period such as January 1st, 2021 to, to, be able to maybe really take a breath and feel like you've got your feet back underneath you a little bit. Like it's going to be really hard. It's going to feel like running a marathon to a certain extent until then. Um, so that's, that's kind of the mindset I think you need to approach this with. And, and so as a result of that, you really, I think need to have strong focus. Um, you need to evaluate what services you're offering. Um, you need to identify, and this is probably the most important, you need to identify and stay in close contact with your, your best clients. Um, those are the types of clients you need to be playing offense with, because as we all know, it's far easier to generate business uh, from a client who's an existing client because you're a known commodity and expand your service offering with that client as opposed to going out and trying to find wor- work right now in an environment where everyone's cutting non-essential spending. Um, so, I mean, I think those are some of the things. I mean, you really need to be thinking about running leanly and efficiently. And, and when it comes to um, helping your clients through business development, that does mean, um, you know, even if, you're not, even if you're not generating business right now, taking that helpful, thoughtful, discerning approach, uh, the non-desperate approach that an expert practitioner would take, um, I think having those conversations, picking up the phone, um, asking, you know, in a genuine and authentic manner, you know, what the client is experiencing, um, understanding whether you, what you do can help in any regard in that respect uh, would, is important. And um, in, in doing so, I think what you're doing really is you're, you're essentially um, building goodwill that's going to serve as an insurance policy when things return back to normal and your, your good clients are going to stay close to you as well. So, I mean, these are some of the things I think we need to be thinking about if we're, if we're really having to mix some defense in with our offense over the next say nine months. Yeah. And two things I would add to that. And one is to build on your analogy of the running a marathon. If you knew you were running a marathon in January 
of 2021, when would you start training for it? In December or tomorrow? And a lot of at least what I advocate for is simple activity that maybe you won't even consider as quote unquote sales activity that is laying some groundwork and maybe prospects aren't able to buy your services today. Everyone's situation is different, but at some point they will be in anyone who sells professional services or expertise for a living generally has a sales cycle that's longer than 30 days. It might even be six months. So the activity that you're doing today may reap those benefits and rewards later. You can't wait till December 31st and say, well, the whole world looks different now. I better start going out and developing some business. So that's the one point I would make. And then the other one is I referenced earlier, kind of a, like a mental block that, that people have when it comes to business development. And the other huge one is, and you've written on this, Jay, before, is too many, the problem stems from the fact that people focus on the result and not on the process or what, you know, so my Sandler sales trainer would call behaviors. And it's, it's measuring pass fail. Did I sell something today? Most of the, if you measure it that way, you, 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 the failures just pile up and they become apparent and then they become, you know, disheartening and to a eventually they become paralyzing and what good sales trainers will teach you to do. And what you've mentioned before is if you're focusing on the thing that you can control, which is your own behaviors in your own um, to do's in your own activities, that's something that you can control. It's something that you can measure. And it's something that feels successful simply by the fact that you've done it. And we're going to talk about what some of those things are, but you know, so just, I think it's those mental shit. And now is such an important time to get, mentally right with business development than than perhaps ever it's it's been at least in the last several years right where things seem to have been going pretty good across the economic spectrum i think the legal mm-hmm. spectrum for sure um you know so that changed in a heartbeat so anyways I, I it's it's to me a lot of this is embracing mental shifts and then how do those mental shifts um change some of the behaviors and the activities that again you could control day to day yeah you could afford, I think many people could afford to have a little bit of slack in the system when it comes to, you know, having a real sharp focus to what they're doing. And that's simply not possible today. You need to be really dialed in on what you're doing. Um, so with that, uh, so I'd, I'd say, you know, if, if we had an action step from this, I would say um, really, you know, identify some of your best clients, uh, stay really close to them, pick up the phone, talk to people, um, come at it from the, the standpoint of trying to be very helpful. Um, certainly don't be pitching or putting on the hard sell. And whether you, to your point, Tom, whether you're immediately uh, bringing new revenue in the door or not, if you take that approach and you, I, I think you will get some new business now, but you'll certainly be generating that goodwill that's going to help you to um, succeed once we get to the other side of this to some extent. Yeah. And just the last point, I just, cause you sort of touched on it and I think it's important to just be human. Right. And mm-hmm. we've had guests on this podcast that are strong advocates for just being human. And when I say just be human, don't approach everything you do as a sales call. Like, uh, you know, you can match the behavior to the person that you're reaching out to. I, sent a text last week to somebody I used to do work with in the past. And he, he, we developed something of a friendship over the years. And I was legitimately interested in hearing how he and his family is doing. So I sent him a text. 
asking that. I didn't, you know, now is that a sales activity? Is it business development activity? It wasn't intended to be, but it is nurturing a relationship that's kind of gone dormant in the past, you know, eight, nine months and no harm in doing that. And I was very, in a very human way. And I wasn't asking him, how's your family doing? And can we get on the phone to talk about blah, blah, blah. So there are things you could do. And I think that's a good segue into maybe our next sort of action steps is what should you be doing or what should you be selling? Yeah. Because we're all struggling with that too. What is the market willing to hear right now? What's appropriate when people are worried about their health and their families, right? So any yeah. thoughts on that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the, the, the easiest way that, to encapsulate an answer for the question of what should I be selling right now, it's whatever, whatever is your biggest strength, right? I mean, depending on what form of professional or personal uh, improvement advice you're hearing is sometimes hear the importance of working on your weaknesses. But right now it's all about focusing on your strengths because the problem that you'll slip into if you're not, if you don't have really sharp, narrow focus positioning for the marketplace right now, where the, the marketplace doesn't necessarily see you as an expert, see you as in any way differentiated from your competition. Um, we're in an environment where the demand for legal services is contracting greatly. Um, so, you know, basic economics, there's way too much supply out there. Uh, so if you're one of those commoditized legal services, at least or legal services providers, at least from the marketplace's standpoint, you can have a really hard time right now going out and selling. Now, on the other hand, if you have really focused, narrow positioning, if you're differentiated, if you have a strong value proposition and you know who your audience is you're going out to target, then you have a much more uh, you have much higher likelihood of of achieving success and developing business. I mean, if you think about it, right now is the time for experts to be thriving to some extent, at least, uh, because in times of crisis, people are you know their their legal problems they're facing are even more acute, and the consequences of picking the wrong lawyer are are very consequential. So if you can position yourselves ar- yourself around your strengths and really go to market with that mindset, then you're going to be in a position to, um, you know, find business and be much more attractive to a, a prospective client. And so, you know, what does that mean? I mean, we've talked about this a lot before, Tom, but, you know, being able to answer questions like, you know, what am I selling? To whom am I selling? What is my value proposition? Um, how, do I, how do I remain visible and, and top of mind? I mean, these are some of the things you need to think about right now. And it's going to require some hard choices. I mean, the days of just getting by with sort of weak positioning are, are over, at least for the time being. Um, and you need to be much more um, focused and you need to be much more relevant. And that oftentimes comes by uh, offering far fewer options to the marketplace than you might otherwise do. Yeah, and maybe if I could offer yet another potential mental shift, I don't know why I'm focusing on mental shifts, maybe it's my own, uh, I'm projecting here, but um, one way to answer that question, because again, something you touched on earlier that just struck a chord with me is, instead of asking, what can I sell? Maybe the question is, how can I help? Mm -hmm. And if you think of the person who would need your services, what are they struggling with? 
in what is it, what are your strengths that can help them through that issue or, or whatever it might be, or the question people right now are desperate for answers. They're desperate for expertise. They're desperate for the comfort that knowing that somebody who might be smarter than them kind of has a handle on this or that issue. And that's where attorneys and expert attorneys can thrive and position themselves as the answer or at least the source of those answers. So if you approach it from how can I help, you're going to have no aversion to create a piece of content, send a colleague an email, put in a quick phone call or whatever, because you're legitimately offering or attempting to help. And that's what people are looking for right now is help. Yeah. And, and that, that made me think of something uh, as well, Tom, and I'm, I'm not sure I have this fully formed, so I may not articulate it particularly well, but like another, uh, a mark of expertise right now, if you're thinking about like, well, what am I best positioned to help with? Um, it would be a, an area where you can, you can take something you do and essentially contextualize it for the current moment, right? Where, you know, we're in a remote working environment, we're dealing with issues we've never seen before. If you have, if, if you're a true expert in some area of the law, you probably are identifying um, ways in which you can, you can help you can solve problems, you can, you can address pain points in a way that maybe others aren't thinking about. So if you're following, if you're sort of following the breadcrumb trail and, and thinking about like, well, I'm not sure what, I'm, what I have expertise in or how I should position myself, it probably should be in areas where, or, or an area in which you're thinking creatively and nimbly about like the problems that are arising, the fast moving developments, and how you are you know, well positioned to address some of those things, maybe in unique and creative ways. Someone who's not an expert in a particular area of the law just wouldn't have the, um, the ability to think differently the way you would if you had true expertise. Right. I'll give you a, an example. I hope this is an example of what you're describing anyway, but it comes to mind because you know, almost overnight, the whole world discovered Zoom. And everyone was enthralled with Zoom. And now we're on our weekends, you know, even outside of work hours, scheduling Zooms with friends and family. And then it wasn't long before everyone became scared of Zoom because there's privacy concerns and all sorts of bad press hit, right? Um, There were Zoom hackers. um, And we happened to represent an intellectual property attorney who was saying, what about intellectual property concerns relative to Zoom. So somebody from home decides that they're going to share their screen and there's some IP protected content on that screen and someone takes a snap of it or a Zoom hacker comes in. There's all sorts of exposures now in this remote working environment specifically related to Zoom. And I only say Zoom because that's become kind of like the Kleenex of the the modern web meeting, right? So yeah. perfect. He's got all sorts of ideas and expertise on how you can protect yourself. And that is an area where that particular attorney can really be of help for some, but for a great many people who are, you know, to use a technical term, freaked out right now about Zoom. So just an example, and you just need to keep as the expert, keep your ear to the ground. What are the things that are top of mind that a lot of people are asking for and just go out and solve the problem. Yeah. And, and and I'll go, it made me think of one more point too, Tom. I think uh, we're, we're kind of, uh, provoking new thoughts uh, from one another here as we go along. But one other area in terms of thinking about, you know, putting expertise out there and, and organizing your practice around, around your expertise, around your strengths right now would be uh, the expert who is uh, more narrowly positioning him or herself would be able to more creatively uh, 
craft a fixed fee offering right now as well, um, which is something that probably would help buyers in this type of market where, uh, you know, everyone's obviously cost conscious and giving them the, uh, the comfort of a fixed fee price for the services you provide would, would probably in most cases make them more attractive um, rather than just the, the, the unknown of the billable hour. Um, so as an expert, uh, the idea is if you're doing the same type of work for the same type of client solving the same types of problems and seeing the pattern, seeing the, the pain points, um, you should have a better handle on how long something would take you. And as a result, be able to craft a fixed fee offering that might be much more attractive to the marketplace. So um, that's probably the last point I had on, on sort of positioning and, and focus in terms of selling. But anything else on that, Tom? Yeah, so I think what we're saying is there are things to sell. And yes, if you're, you don't want to come across as tone deaf in the moment that we're in, but if you're legitimately solving problems and can solve problems, there are things to sell and there are appropriate ways to do it. So we need to get people beyond that, should I? And then the answer to the what do I sell should become a little more apparent. And I don't think that we're saying, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, that you know, ignore the crisis and just plow right through it because that's what you know, aggressive people do and that's what successful people do. And, you know, just go out there and COVID be damned. I'm just going to sell through this. And that's not what I'm advocating for anyway. What I'm just, what I'm advocating for is don't go into a shell right now um, because at some point we're all coming out of this in some degree or another. And, you know, you just, the people who just go into the complete shell and do nothing are the ones three, six, nine, who knows, two months from now are going to be, well, what did I spend the last you know period of time doing? Yeah, ag- agreed. I, it's it's absolutely uh, that you know it's not a it's it's not the hard sell. It's it's this process of identifying how you can truly help, and how your expertise aligns with uh, the clients that you're best suited to serve. And with that, you know, being really smart and nimble about how to craft an offering that uh, would appeal to them, and and letting clients. Um, sort of come to that conclusion on their own. And, and that would be through, you know, these, these helpful conversations, this content you're creating that's um, identifying, you know, problems and, and proposing certain solutions. So you're really coming at it from, you know, one of the things is lawyers oftentimes will put on their website bios that they're, you know, they sort of serve as a trusted advisor to clients. And, and that may or may not be the case, but I mean, if, if there ever was a moment where that moniker uh, should be earned. It's right now. So if you ever wanted to be perceived as a trusted advisor, I mean, this is the moment and, and that's really up for your audience to decide, but it really does map back to your mindset and behaviors that you're taking right now. Um, and it, and that all boils down to taking a helpful approach. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, so we, let's see. Um, so that's, that's kind of covering, uh, you know, should I be selling, uh, what should I be selling? And then, maybe the next big question, Tom, is, um, all right, how do I go about this? Like, how can I, how can I be productive and effective during this time period? And while, like, as we talked about at the beginning, uh, you know, some people probably have some extra time on their hands, um, but it may not be a tremendous amount, hopefully. Um, you, hopefully, most lawyers are still doing at least some billable work for clients. But, you know, the other thing is, these are, these are times where, you um, Thing, you know, things like procrastination become a real issue because 
I think procrastination um, is is something that really creeps in, especially when people are feeling anxious or uncertain. Yep. Um, it it forces them to uh, it it makes it hard for them to to feel productive and really dive into something because their minds just you know focused on other things. And so um, productivity is is a really important issue right now if you really want to make uh, positive forward progress. So, well, there's talk- also too, Jay. Sorry to interrupt. There's no, also there's so many more temptations to competing with our productivity. Now, when we're at the office, eight, 10, 12 hours a day, you were focused on work. I mean, there's other distractions there too, but now we're all home. Some of us, like you and I have kids, we have working spouses who are also home. So it's really tempting to potentially close the laptop and throw on Netflix or something like horrible behaviors that you wouldn't do at the office. So productivity is a real challenge because a, we have these distractions B, you know, there's that, what we joked about at the beginning where people have supposedly all this free time on their hands, but there's a whole new discipline that needs to come into play in this working environment that, you know, productivity was already a challenge for attorneys right before this happened. So um, you've written a book that, tackles this very subject i'm curious what you you know maybe how you've adjusted your thinking or even adjusted the book perhaps or what tips do you have on staying productive right now yeah so yeah it's it's interesting times i mean when i was uh, the book comes out in about you know 30 days now or so um and the interesting thing about writing a book is you know you you always worry that something's going to happen that's going to make uh certain things in your book irrelevant and and, and there's no doubt that I had to adjust um, some aspects of, of the book in light of the, the COVID-19 crisis. But um, it's, it's so interesting to, to live through moments where um, you, know, you, go from, you go from one dynamic to another almost overnight. So we had a great market for legal services, um, and now we're in a terrible one. Um, and one of the things that's obviously uh, brought to mind for many lawyers is that uh, the, you know, in the good market, the, a lot of people could get by without doing a tremendous amount of business development or being really focused and consistent with it. Um, but now many are wishing they had started to become more active and consistent uh, when times were good. But good thing is it's not too late. And I think a silver lining out of all of this will be the fact that more lawyers will start dedicating themselves to more consistent business development uh, once we get to the other side of this. So they'll sort of be forced into it by externalities. And, and I think that'll be on, on balance a positive thing as long as they can stick with it and don't slip back into old habits and routines. Um, so the, the key thing to remember from uh, for, for a productivity standpoint is that it's not, it's not the intensity of your effort uh, at any given moment, it's the consistency of that effort over time. So if we try to contextualize this advice for say the next 30 to 60 days, um, and, and it, it will be, you know, there'll be, broader relevance to all of this advice, but we'll, let's, try to, let's try to keep it in this micro moment we're in. Um, what, we, what we wanna start with, if we're thinking about productivity, is, is, is setting a goal for yourself, right? You wanna have something to aim towards right now, because if you don't, if you have some just sort of loose idea that I wanna, you know, quote, I wanna do more business development, that's not gonna be something you can really sink your teeth into and build a plan around. So, so I would say for any lawyer out there, pick a target. That might be, you know, generating, you know, it depends what your practice is, but let's just say arbitrarily I want to generate five new clients and fifty thousand dollars in new um, fee revenue over the next forty-five days. Um, what what you're doing there is is creating a, a goal that's uh, specific and and relevant 
and achievable. It, it maps with the SMART goal framework. If you're, if you're not familiar with that, that would be uh, SMART's an acronym that stands for specific, measurable, um, actionable, uh, realistic, and time-bound. So you want to have some sort of specific goal you aim for. And, and the real important thing about setting a goal is not necessarily the goal itself, but it allows you, it's a goal is sort of the precursor to developing a developing a plan for action. So once you have a goal in mind, you can better understand, okay, in 45 days, I want to generate five clients and 50,000 in new revenue. Well, I better get started today taking steps forward. And if I'm ever going to meet that goal. So you sort of reverse engineer from that big goal you set and you create a plan for yourself for action on an everyday basis from that goal. Um, so that's that's kind of the two-step process, goal setting and then reverse engineering that goal into action steps. So for example, your action steps for this week might be, okay, I know if I want to generate five clients in 45 days, I probably need to make you know 15 to 20 phone calls this week to touch base with my current clients or my referral, uh, those in my referral network or prospective clients that I've had contact with before. So you know, of those 20 calls, maybe one will result in a new client. So you need to you need to think about that. And so that may may mean like three or four calls a day. Or you want to you know get an article out. Well, you better you know start writing that today if you want to have it published by by the end of the week. So all of these steps need to be mapped out as part of your productivity process. And then importantly, um, you need to carve out the time necessary to do these things. So in my book and in kind of the general advice I give when coaching or training lawyers, um, draw upon, and we've talked about this before in other episodes, but drawing upon the advice of Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett's business partner in Berkshire Hathaway. But when he was a young lawyer, he he kind of reframed things in his mind when he realized that he was selling all of his time to his paying clients. And he decided if, if he was ever going to get ahead for himself and start focusing on his own priorities, he needed to, as he put it, sell himself an hour of his time each day. So he started treating himself as his own most important client. And I think everyone needs to do that for themselves as well. So, you know, set aside an hour a day to focus on this, um, on these business development activities, marketing activities that are going to help you get ahead. Um, we should all be able to do that in, in any environment. It's really about 10% of, of each person's day. If you're, if you're factoring in a, for lawyers, what's a relatively short 10 hour day. But in this environment where people are a little slow, it's imperative to sell yourself that hour so that you can start getting ahead and making uh, positive forward progress. So, so Tom, I'll pause there and, and let you jump in with any, any follow-up. But I think that's, you know, it, at a very micro level, that's kind of the framework of goal setting, reducing that plan or that goal to an actionable plan, and then selling yourself that hour a day to work on those activities. And then measure the activities, done or not done. And over time, you'll be able to track whether or not that you, the recipe you created for activity tied to the goal that you created was the, was, the, was the right recipe or it needs adjustment. But those are the things you hold yourself accountable to because those are the things that you can control. And, you know, it's, I would venture to guess it's very rarely the case that somebody says, well, I have a bunch of activities. I'm really disciplined. I get through them every week, every single day, and it never resulted in anything. 
that's almost never the case. What is generally the case is I don't know where to start. I'm afraid that if I set a goal too high, I won't be able to reach it. I don't know if I've set the right goal and $50,000 and five new clients, that's more than I'm used to generating in a given time period. And so what ends up happening is no activity gets done. And I think that's the problem. It's not that you, I went through the activities and I did all the to-dos and nothing was generated. It's more usually the case that I just didn't do anything. And as a result of doing nothing, I sold nothing. So just again, measure the activities. And then if you have to fine tune those, the results will come. It has even been the case in my own experience where, um, you know, if I'm active on LinkedIn and I'm reaching out to colleagues and clients and past clients and I'm uh, generating content and being disciplined about getting that content on social media and out in emails, that the results take care of themselves. And magically you start developing business and all these results start magically happening, but really there's no magic to it at all. It's more so what you suggested earlier, which is you create the, you know, be clear about the goal, deconstruct the goal into action steps and then measure your commitment to that action step. And that's when things start happening. Yeah, absolutely. I think the last piece of this puzzle uh, is okay. So, you know, again, you've, you've kind of thought through some of the strategic issues and, and you're starting to get active. You created a plan for yourself. You've um, set aside the time necessary and you're being very disciplined in that you're doing the right things on a consistent basis. Um, and the challenge is, you know, in many, in normal times, you'd be part of a big part of the business development you'd be doing probably is, um, one-on-ones or networking and taking clients to lunch and that kind of thing. And that's all out the window right now. So how do you remain visible in this environment? And we've touched upon some of this in past episodes. I mean, obviously it's the main thing we talk about in, in, in a broad sense when it comes to thought leadership, but, but there's some things to keep in mind here as, as far as remaining visible that, that are, are unique um, in this current environment. So, so maybe we can talk about that a little bit, Tom. So what we're talking about here is thinking about how do we, how do we engage um, both on, on a one-on-one basis in a digital environment, as well as on a broader um, scale when it comes to the marketing we're doing? And um, I think that, you know, remaining visible requires you to think about and categorize your you know, clients and, and contacts into two buckets, probably, or two tiers. Uh, one would be sort of your tier one leads or your tier one um, opportunities. And that would be your current clients, um, you know, prospective clients that you've interacted with, perhaps you've, you've, they've asked for a proposal before, but maybe haven't moved forward. These are, you know, your warm to hot leads that you're going to want to do, you know, some of that to remain visible, you're going to have to do some, you know, that one-on-one picking up the phone, um, you know, staying in touch with them via email. Um, Some of these efforts that maybe don't scale, and then when you think about the rest of your network where we're talking about, um, you know, your LinkedIn connections more broadly, um, people that have interacted with your content, perhaps those are on your email list that, you know, aren't, again, don't fall in the category of tier one leads. Um, these are where, you know, scalable act marketing activities come in. And when we talk about that, we're thinking about things like the creation of, of thought leadership marketing, um, writing articles, uh, recording audio podcasts, video, and the like. And you know, if you go back to our, our previous episode, we talked um, in detail about how to write content that really stands out right now, um, taking uh, some, just sharing some tips about how to, how to stand out from the marketplace when everyone's writing about the same topics, which is obviously still happening right now. Um, so that, that's important. I'd encourage people to go back and revisit that episode for, for some of that content. 
Um, but again, it requires sort of thinking differently. And, and this maps back to, you know, what we talked about in the, in the, in the initial um, conversation about what, um, what should I be selling? It really ties back to your positioning as well, because um, you really want to be doubling down when it comes to content creation or activity you're taking on, uh, doing on LinkedIn to stay visible, um, staying in your lane and building upon your expertise. You don't want to be perceived as a, as a generalist right now. You want to be perceived as a specialist. So when you're creating content or you're sharing other people's content on LinkedIn, it should be really organized and, and focused on uh, your areas of expertise that you're, that you're organizing around right now for, for the um, remainder of this difficult period. So um, Tom, it's just, why don't you weigh in here on, on some steps to take or some ideas in terms of um, remaining visible right now? Yeah, for me, Jay, it's, I, I'm going to go back to something I said at the beginning, but before I do, you know, I look at thought leadership content as the conduit between a market need and subject matter expertise. And that's what you want to do, create that connection point between a need that your market has and the expertise that you sell. And you're going to provide some of that for free in your thought leadership content. So given that, I, I go back to asking what can I, what, how can I help? What problem do I solve? And if you ask that question, how can I help given the current climate or in a specific niche, you know, in an evergreen manner, ask that question, answer it, provide the solution to some degree in your thought leadership content in the market who is out there that has that need is going to be looking for your expertise, even not knowing that it's there yet. And then when they find it, they're going to regard you as the subject matter expert that you are. And that's how you could, you know, take someone through the content funnel, which is similar to the sales funnel. And again, I would refer listeners back to that prior episode where we talked about the content funnel and, um, it, that's how, to me right now the most effective way to get from market need to my subject matter expertise is to create that conduit. Yeah, no doubt. And and uh, one point that that we've made before, but I've only seen it become more relevant. And as as the weeks go on, and we're we're doing work for client and clients in this space, is that just doubling down on your efforts to publish whatever you can um, in the leading. Uh, journals and websites that relate to uh, the industry you're focused on. Like that's, it's both more possible today and more effective than it's ever been. In, in my opinion, um, you know, because of the, because of the demand, the media is interesting. It's sort of like the, the healthcare industry right now, both industries that have huge amounts of demand uh, for the services they provide, but are both struggling with revenue because in the case of media people aren't advertising in the case of healthcare, you know, the, the high value services, the, the sort of um, surgeries that are in most states shut down right now because they're not essential um, are, and, and, but that generate a lot of the revenue for the hospitals are, aren't able to be performed. So um, with that, you know, media is contracting, um, they're trying to do more with less and they're looking for subject matter experts and thought leaders to add to the mix. I mean, I've, I've never had more success pitching editors as I have had over the last two weeks on behalf of clients. And I think that any, any individual lawyer thought leader out there um, can take that upon themselves and simply uh, start reaching out to editors at the publications that you may have thought were out of reach or, or not possible to, to have your byline appear in. And I, I would imagine you'd have way more success than, than you think you would um, given the moment. Yep. And I can validate that's been my experience as well, too. So and I think the analogy is a good one is they're desperate for content because their audiences are desperate for, again, answers. 
right? They're going to media, specifically, you know, general news media right now for answers around COVID, but we're all still in our professional lives looking for answers around our professional problems and needs. So we're going to trade journals. Again, we know that's where the expertise is and the media will provide some of the expertise, but in the instances that they either don't have specialized expertise or the bandwidth, they're relying on experts, subject matter experts like attorneys to provide that content. So great opportunity right now to get out there in front of people. Yeah. So I think uh, it's probably a good place to wrap, Tom. I mean, I think the big thing is right now, I mean, I've draw the, uh, the parallel between um, you know, here in Michigan with the automotive companies who have who've sh- shut down, um, but they haven't sat idle. They've been sort of retooling their plants, um, cleaning, bringing new equipment, um, you know, adding technological innovation. So they haven't been sitting, sitting idly by. They're taking steps now to prepare for the return to, um, you know, the whatever, the, the future new normal, uh, whatever that looks like. But I think that, that kind of is a, a parallel that we should be thinking about with our own practices, which is even if you're, if you're not bringing in business now, um, you need to be out there. You need to be thinking strategically about what you're doing. Uh, you need to be retooling your own individual practice. And even if, again, even if you're not um, bringing in tons of new revenue right now, you're planting the seeds for what the future holds um, and earning and generating that goodwill that's going to help you um, once we get to the other side. So um, I think that would be the kind of last point I would leave it on. Tom, any closing remarks from you? Well, just that I love your analogy and I'll just add to it and I'll go back to what I keep saying over and over again, not to sound like a broken record, but the auto companies asked the question, how can we help? Didn't they? And so they had the expertise to design an engineer and get a, you know, a lineup quickly and they're working on ventilators and they're working on PPE. Um, Again, they're not selling cars, but they've asked the question, how can I help? And they found a way to help and they're stayed relevant. They brought some workers back, um, some productivity. And, And if nothing else, they've earned at least my goodwill, you know, and a lot of the public's goodwill because they're, they're stepping up in a crisis. So um, just a way to hammer home your analogy. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great point. Um, So thank you everyone. Hope everybody's going to continue to be uh, safe and healthy out there. And, and I think hopefully we can get back to uh, you know, back to firmer footing here from an economic standpoint before too long. But uh, again, just to reemphasize, now's the time to, to take those steps to make sure that you're, you're well positioned when, uh, when opportunities do start arising again. So thanks for listening. Uh, we appreciate it. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Thought Leadership Project. For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, visit thethoughtleadershipproject.com.